listening to Women and Music by Goldhand Girls. And we are your hosts, Alexa Ace and Michaela Chandler. Today's conversation has been a long time in the making. This industry leader has seen over a decade of hard work and discipline. Get ready for a mind-expanding conversation with the one and only Christine, a.k.a. Hey, Flay. Hey, Flay. We did it. (laughs) Christine shares her thoughts on education and how questioning and curiosity support the need for creative fulfillment. Kay Flay is a singer, songwriter, rapper, multi-instrumentalist, and producer. She is also a two-time Grammy-nominated artist with collaborations including Imagine Dragons, Bishop Briggs, Louis the Child, Ex-Ambassadors, Grandson, and so much more. You know what time it is? K-play, K-play time. time. Hey, guys. Hey, gang. Hey, gang. What's up? Um, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> I've got three beverages in front of me right now. Oh, it's very we exciting. love hydration. Is one of them alcoholic? Yeah. Uh, no. Plead the fifth. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like barely noon. Um, no. It's green juice, coffee, and water. Uh, So I think it's perhaps the polar opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we are so stoked. stoked, Like, pinch us. We're dreaming. Um, Where are you calling us from today? (laughs) Um, I am at my uh, home in Los Angeles, California. Ooh. What's the weather like there? Is it pretty? Um, You know, we are... We are suffering from very terrible air quality oh. due to all of the fires here. So it's the quarantine's hitting very hard. Uh, seeing like some peaks of blue sky here and there, which is a harbinger of some good feelings. That is, um, yeah, sadly, that is the weather here. How's it where you guys are? Oklahoma has like the most <laughs> bipolar weather. We're used to like tornadoes out of nowhere and um, flash flooding that kind of thing, but right. to, the, the state right, of the right, world right. right now just needs love. So I love that you said like a little bit of blue light, like little bit that, of little, that little bit of hope, that little sliver of light is like, okay, yes, we all got this. We got this. Yep. Come on, world. So we want to get started by talking to you about education because that was one of the very first things that yeah. stood out about you to us when we were doing our research. We saw that you are a college graduate, and we want to know what it means to you um, to have a degree and to to take education to completion in some ways? Oh, well, you know, I think there's kind of two parts to this this answer. You know, the first is that the the four-year college credentialing system, you know, on some level is just is just a system like any other, you know, and, and I think credentials sometimes there's too much emphasis placed on them, right? Um, but it's also in many ways the best um, mechanism we have of, of quantifying something that like can't even be quantified, which is education, education. and learning. But, um, you know, so I think that there's a little bit of subjectivity there. Like I don't think going to a four-year college and getting your degree is essential for being, um, you know, an active citizen in this world. However, um, for me and I think for a lot of people, the college experience, it was a real moment of personal expansion, both intellectually and in terms of my independence 
an ability to function as a human being on my own. Um, and, and I think most fundamentally, it was, it was a time in which I really cultivated like a homegrown curiosity. And I think that like, you know, a lot of people I've found, especially um, in, in my adult life, where some of the smartest people I know are like, oh, dude, I hated school. You know, because it was a very um, prescribed kind of learning and curiosity. For me, though, I loved, I loved very prescribed learning. <laughs> you know, I think I was, I was really um, structured, highly structured environments were really, really good for me and continue to be good for me. Um, uh, I think, I think, yeah, though my my college experience was really the time in my life when I felt like I had a choice about whether to be curious and what to be curious about. Mm. And I really kind of built that, that set of muscles, you know, and I think that that's been for me really valuable in my music career. Um, in, and, and just in my, my life as a human being, you know, I think, I think one of the great joys is being alive. You know, there's lots of mysteries about, being alive <laughs> and then maybe that's a whole nother podcast but <laughs> one of the one of the great one of the great joys is is learning you know and I think any opportunity to do that is an opportunity to take and you know that's one of the one of the big reasons that I even kind of got as far down the music rabbit hole as I did was just cur- sheer curiosity about how songs were made, how music was recorded. Um, and it was a very pure curiosity because it wasn't tied to my degree. Um, it wasn't tied to any aspirations I'd had as a, as a younger person. I didn't, I didn't grow up knowing that I wanted to do music or be a musician or go on tour or any, anything like that. So, um, and, and my college years were the time when I started learning about music and recording music. So I, yeah, this is this has been a very meandering answer, but I guess um, you know I feel like education is is a lifelong pursuit, and it's one of the most fun and cool parts about being a human. Yeah. And um, my my college experience really helped me to like really help to, to solidify that as like an ethos for my life, yeah. not just like I need to get this grade just to get out of this hellhole, right, or whatever, but like. I want to get this grade because it means that like I learned all this shit that is really exciting to me. For sure. Um, and, and I think that was, that was very important for me. Alexa and I always say like knowledge is power. Like no matter what you learn, if you have the knowledge and the capacity for it, you have so much value to the table. Yeah. And I, what a great way to put it too, um, Christine, like, Curiosity. I think curiosity is such a big base in, in knowledge is power because I think the more you're curious about life, the more questions you ask, the more you want to learn about how things work. It just expands, expands who you are and it kind of adds layers to what you can become. So is that kind of what happened to you? Like when you went into college, who did you want to be and how did you, when you were coming out of college, how did that change? Oh, well, um, you know, I think when I, when I went to college, I was, I wasn't sure what I was interested in, but I began taking, uh, courses in social science 
um, in sociology that were a little bit more on the quantitative side. And that got me really interested. Like this idea that, you know, anecdotally we can, we can see something happening in our community or in our world, but there's actually all these different ways to measure it for real. You know, like I can see that my community is segregated by race, right? But how do I, how do I measure that? And how can I measure it across the entire United States? So I got really excited about questions like that and thinking about, you know, these kind of small scale things and extrapolating out to the big, the macro perspective. So that was, that was what really got me excited. And I was, you know, I'd been thinking about ways in which I could take that type of study into the professional world. To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't really know how to do that. You know, I was kind of just like, I'm going to get my degree and see, you know, probably like apply for jobs and, and see where life takes me. Exactly. Um, now, of course, in the middle of that, I began making music and recording it on campus. I started, you know, I played, started playing shows, which I'd never done before. And I've, I've described it in the past as like, you know, I somersaulted a long way. And now I've ended up here. And it's like I kind of started that, that somersault <laughs> when I was 20. And, you stuck the landing, baby. Um, you did. You know, <laughs> You know, I'm just kind of rolling. And I think, you know, for me, somewhere, and I'm not sure at what point, it was was definitely after I graduated from college um, where I decided that music was, you know, I was really going to pursue that as my career. Um, But, you know, I just kind of said yes to everything. Um, People were like, oh, you want to play a show? You want to play this weird house party? you want to play our frat party? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of kept saying yes, and, and I started meeting people in the Bay Area music scene. And, you know, again, just these very incrementally embedding myself in the world of music. And I think there was some turning point, you know, clearly, psychologically in me where I was, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think in retrospect, it's, it's often hard to pinpoint when there isn't like a pivotal moment. But yeah, I think, I think I became aware of the fact once I started playing shows, like in real venues, that, you know, you could, you can make money and pay your rent yeah. um, you know, with music. When you finally decided to dive in head first, how did your family and friends and just like close circle, like, how did they respond? Were they like, you're what? <laughs> uh, you know, I've been, I've been very lucky. Um, my family has always been incredibly supportive of me. So I think, and, and, th- and thanks for my friends, I think, but I think in a lot of ways, I, I, I hope and feel that I've, I've earned that support um, in that, you know, I, I'd had a long history of making pretty good decisions. And of course, that does not mean I haven't made many mistakes and many missteps, but, you know, I've always tried to be intentional and considerate about my choices. And, you know, I think everyone could see how excited I was about music. Um, you know, when you, you have a friend who's just like, like I, I can remember when I was living right after college, like living in San Francisco 
my friends would go out and I would stay home and, and work on music, you know, and I'm 22 or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I'm the age when you're supposed to, go, you know, like going out. I think it'd be going out. And it's a real moment of like, how did I want to spend my time? I wanted to spend it um, doing this. And I, and I feel like in many ways, you know, actions speak louder than words. And my, my people could, could sense that and feel that. So I had a lot of support and, you know, in addition, I, you know, didn't come from, you know, my family is is quite like professional uh, in their jobs and in their careers. Like, you know, my sister works for the government, my brother's a lawyer, um, my, you know, like that, that's kind of the, the vibe. And, um, you know, this is something really outside of, that world and I think it was kind of exciting for everybody <laughs> you know just to just to have someone in the crew be like doing this pretty bizarre thing rock and roll heck yeah I think you who you are yeah I, I love that you say um well on my end you're like in retrospect there's not a pivotal moment of you know when you found out that you wanted to do music but for me I identify and relate because I think the pivotal pivotal moment is the discipline of staying in on the weekends when your friends do want to go out or saying no when you mm-hmm. saying no to peer pressure when you know in your heart and your soul that if you stay home and finish a project that it could excel you to the next level or that you might do something even greater the next day. I think that is a really great pivotal moment and and it's not just a moment. It's it's like it's years. It's years in the making and that's how music often starts. It's a testament to your discipline too. How bad do you want it? I mean you guys are pinpointing something that is, I think, just a crucial part of being a, being a human. Um, is is this, and it gets kind of a bad a bad rap in a lot of ways, but it is, is discipline. Yes. You know, um, oh, like yes. to in order to in order to learn, you know, just going back to kind of curiosity and learning, like you have to be disciplined. Um, it just like, the human brain doesn't just see something and automatically understand everything about it you know you have to sort of step by step um reinforce what you're taking in and you know i i've been like obviously had a lot of time to think during quarantine about a million things and one of the things that struck me is that so many of my collaborators and friends in the music world spend so much of their teenage and young adult years practicing their instrument, reading books, you know, watching YouTube tutorials, like whatever, because it's like, and then you get to a point where you can actually, actually do these things. But, um, you know, we've all been kind of like reflecting back on how much, how much time we put in, um, in those, in those formative years. And I think that's like, it's not the most glamorous part of, of the job, but I even remember that Kanye line of like five beats a day for three summers, mm-hmm. you know, like I think that's on his first record, but like, it's true. I mean, there's, and I know Tommy is kind of in his, whatever is going on with him right now, but like, but like, you know, talk about a incredibly prolific and talented person. Um, discipline. You know, and, and it's, there's so much discipline and it's like, it's not sexy. It's not portrayed in that way in our in our kind of popular culture, but it it really is the common thread running through pretty much every successful creative person I know. And I don't even mean successful in terms of like making money, just 
someone who makes things that they like. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's an amount of discipline and, and it's, I don't know. I, I think that's cool. In, in me, it's cool, but I know like it's not really glamorized in our, in our culture. Oh, during this time of reflection, like, have you truly sat back and thought like, I'm a creative, like, what, what does that even I mean? I need time to process, I need time to create, I need time away from people. Do you typically create by yourself? Like, do you find yourself creating like maybe more in depth when you're alone or when you're collaborating? Oh, you know, I think, I think both situations for me are essential. You know, I think undoubtedly when you add another human brain into a situation, even if it's on Zoom, uh, you know, you're, you're completely shaping and shifting the potential for ideas and the potential for direction. Now, when you're by yourself, you get to take every possible risk and no one's going to laugh at you, mm-hmm. right? So there's something... There's something amazing about being alone and making things because it's completely safe. But sometimes being completely safe, those are not good conditions for making things. Sometimes you need tension, you know, and I think that's what, for for me, it's the balance of giving myself space, do things alone, come up with ideas. I mean, like, I typically like to record vocals alone or often um because that's like you know it's kind of a vulnerable time but even like yesterday I was recording vocals for something um at my girlfriend's place she was doing her own thing but I was thinking about like how even with with her being there it kind of pushes me to do better do you know what I mean um even though she's she's not judging me or you know she's she obviously like is you know, supporting me, whatever I do, but it's still the presence of that other person and that energy, I think in a lot of ways compels me to be like a better version of myself. And when I was, I will say this for, for young people out there, and you don't have to be young, but I just mean starting out in whatever you're doing, you know, I, and maybe you guys can relate. I was extremely protective of my, what I, my process or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was just starting out, I was very reluctant to let other people involve, get involved with that, let other people in. And that was, it took me, it took me a while to overcome that. And once I overcame it, that's when I started really, in my opinion, to make like markedly better music was, was when I relinquished that kind of control and that self-consciousness so I think that there's a really important moment that happens from to most everybody when you start yeah like really being unself-conscious and I think that's really important it's an important thing to have happen it is scary when you are first starting out and you're trying to release that you're like pins and needles like oh gosh I hope yeah I hope I hope I hope and you're like you know no mm-hmm. one's laughing at you when you, no one's laughing at you when you're riding alone but at some point you're you're probably going to share what you're doing when you're by yourself right you have right. to be yeah. open and ready for that feedback so like even when you're by yourself it's you're creating you're creating for the world and, and yourself yeah. yeah but I love too that it's like when you have two brains together because I'm a big believer in 
positive mental health and I mean aren't we all at this point especially in the music industry and during, during the pandemic but our brains are like our they're like little worlds and we have the power to to change and to shift and to say what we want um, with that discipline if we don't let other people's opinions alter what we're trying to say for sure and I yeah no just as, as a point there I think you know there's there's a very fine there's a very delicate balance between actually taking in people's feedback, right? Because I think it is important to get constructive criticism and it's important to take it in. Not only is it an act of humility, but it's an act of learning. Now there's some line at which anybody has to say, actually, you know what, this is my shit. So like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you know, and like, I think that's a constant negotiation. I mean, yeah. you know, I've been making music for professionally for a decade now, and I'm like, I still go through this on every song. <laughs> you know, where it's how like, how do you say it though? Like, how do you say no to people when they want to change, like what you love? Well, you know, the, I, I think, I think it's it's time. You know, I I find that if I sit with something for long enough and I continue to feel the same way, then I feel that that. I need to trust that feeling. Um, you know, time, of course, is like the most magical and crazy thing in the world. Um, the effects of time on us are really important. And I think, you know, uh, at least for me, I'm often very, my, my orientation is like, I need to get it fixed now. I need to do it now. I, it's not right, so I need to fix it right now. And invariably, the thing that needs to happen is time needs to pass which is incredibly frustrating, but that is, that's what I've learned is like, anytime I'm unsure about a decision, whether, I mean, in this extent of like every part of my life, but I just need to, I need to chill and let some time pass. And I will, I will know. I know the truth. Yeah. Christine, you seem very intuitive. So I am, I'm so curious, like, do you get a vibe off of people's energy? You're like, ooh, this oh, one, stay away. That yeah. one, yes, ma'am. I, you know, I do. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's anything paranormal happening, but <laughs> I do, I do like to think that I, I have a good, a, a good sense of people and can intuit their, yeah, their, their vibe. Um, you know, I think that my mom might have said this to me when I was young, and it really made a lasting impact. And she will also, I'm, she'll be listening to this. So, hi, mom. My mom's hi, like mom. my number one fan, like which is great. Hi, mom. Mm-hmm. Um, was that people? When you have an interaction with someone, if you come out of that interaction with more energy or curiosity or self confidence or excitement or I mean you you name that adjective like that that you keep you keep interacting with that if you come away from an interaction feeling depleted and I don't mean like depleted like after a party and you're just like oh my god I need like I need to just chill and be home I mean like we're talking about the one-on-one interaction and you feel like devoid of energy less creative demoralized about the world less connected like those, even in a very small way, I think those are people that you don't want to bring into your circle or your life. Um, you know, the the folks in your world, you want 
you want to have this effect on them and they should have this effect on you that you make your world bigger and you expand the breadth Together. of your emotionality and understanding. And I think for, for me, that's on some level what I'm kind of out of yeah. are you, when, I, when I meet people. Are you spiritual by any chance? Not in a, any sort of concrete way. Uh, I was I was raised with no, you know, kind of belief in God or uh, religious religiosity to my upbringing, and was was very as a young person, and then still into my adult, you know, into my twenties and as an adult, very disturbed by, you know, what's going to happen after I die? What's the point of life? Like what is going on here? Um, you know, very normal questions. Um, and I was actually listening the other day to a Mary Oliver um, interview where she's like quoting Lucretius from On the Nature of Things, where he, where he says, there's never nothing. Um, and so I think my long-winded answer to that is, yeah, I believe that I believe that everything's connected because we're all made out of the same matter. Um, and I believe that the smartest people in the world have tried to figure this out and they haven't, and I'm not the smartest people in the world, so I'm not going to figure it out. Um, and I shouldn't just, I should just enjoy the the tiny miracle of being alive and being able to learn things and being able to make mm, songs yeah, and being miracle. able to like talk on a telephone. What yeah, the hell is even yeah. going on right now? Like, I don't know. Um, what is technology? I have no clue. So, yeah. I think, I think my, my, if I were going to describe any type of spirituality I have, it's just sort of the, the very, um, the surprising and specific, like wonder of being alive. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what that means, but that's that's kind of how I feel. You sound like, and like what I said earlier, you sound like a very curious person. I love that you're immediately like, you know, I don't know if I'm spiritual, which is cool because I feel like people like immediately have like a yes or no answer. And I think that there needs to be more room for, for the middle, for the, um, the I'm, I'm just living and I'm appreciating the tiny miracles. So that was that yeah. was awesome to hear because on our end we live in Oklahoma and it is we live in the Bible Belt and uh, we're not right. like that. Um, but being um, being in the music world and being, I mean, creatives ourselves, like we said yesterday, we just there has to be room for what else is out there. There has to be room for um, the what ifs and and in the unknowns. You have to have an open mind with it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We want to know what song describes you that you've written and why. I have a song called Giver that I, that is on my second to last record, which is called Everywhere Somewhere. Um, I think I think that song continues. <laughs> it, it it described me well at the at the time of its writing, and it continues to, which is, um, you know, the chorus lyric is basically, "I'm learning to live. I'm trying to be better." I'm learning to give, but I don't know if I'm a giver. Um, you know, and I think that, yeah, that's that's sort of the the lifelong struggle in a way is um, 
the constant process of learning to be alive, which doesn't end until you aren't alive anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's the forever state. And then of course it's this idea that like, you want to be a generous person. You want to be compassionate. You want to contribute to a better world, but man, upon self-reflection, there are ways in which I, I can act incredibly selfishly and incredibly, you know, a little fashion, not worrying about the environment, not worrying about, you know, so it's like, I think it's, that that tension for me and it, it's a good it's a good worry to have because i think it compels me i hope in the in the right direction of being a giver right you never you never want to give away too much but you want to contribute and i think that that's what i'm talking about and that song is like yeah how do i contribute to my family how do i contribute to my friends how do i contribute to my musical community how do i contribute to my los angeles community how do i contribute to the to the world the global community and it's like we all we all have a part to play and we, I think it's important to be critical um and questioning of yourself and your motives. Um not to the point where you drive yourself insane, but to the point where you yeah, you're like you make sure you're acting in a way that, that you can be that you can be proud of. And I don't always succeed, you know, like yeah. we all fail in that. Um, but it's about it's about picking yourself back up and and trying again, <laughs> you know, and doing it better the next time. Yeah, that's absolutely fucking fantastic. And I think that as a musician, in a lot of ways, you kind of and I'm not a musician, so I can't really say this, but musicians that I've seen, um, you're kind of giving intrinsically. I think that you're you're giving to people's ears, which is a weird thing to say, but I, I <laughs> you're their ears and their souls. You're, you're creating, but you still have to have balance in your everyday life. But no one's fucking perfect. So I love that you're like, I have to find a way to give to my family, to give to my friends, to give to myself, to give to my music, my fans. It, it's never ending. There's, I mean, I think the, I think that we will always be finding ways to balance um, giving back to the world. And that's, that's a great way to say, I, I'm giving back, yeah. but I'm not perfect. I think right now, um, there's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, there's this feeling that if if you make a mistake, you know, everyone's going to see and it's going to, it's going to ruin everything. Um, and, you know, the reality is that, that everybody is making mistakes um, constantly. And the old, you know, no one can turn back time except for Hermione Granger sure. um, in book three. So, um, it, you know, the only, the only, set of tools we have is our our future behavior and our learning and it's like you know I I have to remind myself of that when I when I mess up um is that yeah I've got I've got another chance to do it right I've got my whole life to do it right and that's in in a weird way that's kind of an exciting feeling yeah absolutely totally is Kayfley you know said you've been in this music industry for over a decade now what what does it look like for a musician to fight for themselves? Just like, you know, I, I think it out in the front yard. I think what it, <laughs> you know, I think what it looks like is relentlessness, right? It's kind of discipline. I think it gets back to what we were talking about earlier. It's about just doing it over and over again. And, you know, the, the world is always going to undulate. Like that's just the nature culture is going to undulate and waver and, 
you know, certain kinds of music and certain modes of expression are going to become very culturally salient and then not. And, you know, all of that's just going to be happening. You as a creative person and as a musician or a photographer or a writer or whatever, the the way I think that that you do it and um, you, you can hopefully have, you know, whether it's a professional career or a personal career, is just consistency. You know, it's like sometimes what you do is going to hit um, with with culture in a certain way, and you can't really predict that. So you, you sort of just have to to put out something that resonates for you, that is true for you, because then you can you can always stand behind that, even if it isn't popular. Um, so I think it's just for me, it's been it's been about being relentless about you know releasing music and playing music live and growing my skill set and growing my my peer group in music and I guess in a weird way I mean I I am very serious about what I do but I have a lot of fun with it too and I think we you know losing that that playfulness is such a is such a dangerous thing because you know so much of creative work is just the sheer delight of it it's like what we were talking about earlier about spirituality it's like it is a miracle that like you can use a contraption capture light and take a photograph of something like that's that's a miracle and um it's a miracle that we have melody and instruments and we can do any of this i think staying in touch with that kind of joyful part of it is imperative too or at least it has been for me i love that do you think the fight looks different or based on gender in the industry or based on entry level in the industry I mean, in a fundamental sense, like in terms of this this kind of self belief and you know discipline, no. I mean, I think that that's common across Human. everybody. Yeah. Um. You know, I do think, of course, there there are barriers to entry for for people who are not in the dominant class. You know, and if you look at sort of the, I mean, if you look across our our culture as a whole, but you know, specifically like, you know, any major record label, publisher, booking agency, there there are some um aberrations, which is which is great. Um, we need more of that. But, you know, for the most part it is older white men and so that's kind of, you know, that's the 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 hegemony of of this world that we're in. So I think there there certainly are challenges. Um but you know, we talked about this yesterday. You know, I think one of the most kind of important things, and it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation sometimes, is, is representation. You know, it's just seeing somebody who looks like you yep. um, in a place where you might want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think what that allows for is huge imagination of young people, right? So if you're if you're a ten year old kid and you see people who look like you everywhere in society it makes it feel like you could be anywhere too and that's a really powerful thing and you know I think people talk about representation all the time but I I like it in that way because that makes sense to me you know to understand it like that and it's difficult changing the status quo of any industry or any world I think that's in the right direction um but I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges is just even knowing what's possible yeah. And for little kids, 
I mean, that's what I always think about as little kids. Like I think about, like you said, like if, if you're you're 10, if you're eight and you see someone doing exactly what you want to do, then you're more likely to go after that. Whereas if it's, if it's a, I mean, for women, obviously, like my mom said something recently to me that really resonated. And she was like, when I was growing up, this wasn't even an option. Women in the music industry to be in the music business was not a thing. There's no way in hell I could have even had that as a thought. And so, yeah, I mean, it is just representation. It is, And you know what? Isn't that so simple, though, just to give people, not give, but for humanity to, to see more people of color, more people of color in positions of power, more women in positions of power. That's what, that's where it begins is, is for sure. those minorities. I don't know. I'm so passionate about that. Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. And, you know, big, I think, you know, it's what I find kind of interesting is when I talk to just about everybody I know um, in the creative world or whatever, they've had champions along the way, right? Like oh, yeah. mentors or just just people who believed in them at some point or gave them a shot. And I think it's just about giving more people those shots, you know, championing all many different kinds of people, not just people who look like you. And that's, you know, that's where, that's where I think that shift starts to really happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to think about how we can be a part of that shift. Champion. I love that too. Shout out Bishop Briggs. <laughs> Just to say, I turn that song on all the freaking time, and I'm gonna start using it now, like to champion things. So powerful! Oh, hell yeah! You know, you know, I wrote that song with Sarah. Uh, jaw dropping. Did not know that. Uh, holy shit! That song <laughs> makes me feel power in every vein. Literally. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. tell her that. That okay? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we um, that was you know that's been a whole nother kind of like change for me is is working with some of my friends on their project um, and writing, writing with them for, for their records. And that's been, you know, just like, again, when we talk about like the joy of it, like a different kind of joy that I didn't even know I could have. Um, that's been, that's been really cool for me. What are some of your favorite collaborations you've had? Ooh, this is Ooh. collaboration. Well, <laughs> I've done a lot. I've done a lot. Yeah, you have done a lot. Uh, you know, okay. A couple of my favorites, you know, um, and I just I just did another song with them, but I I wrote a song called It's Strange, uh, probably like five years ago, four years ago, maybe four years ago, um, with Louis the Child, um, who in a, in a strange kind of random uh, fate thing or something, they we both went to the same high school, although they're they're younger than me, um, but uh, yeah, we we did that song which. They sent me like a little idea for it, and I was just kind of starting to stay in Los Angeles. Um, and I was renting the studio apartment next to my best friend's house, and I recorded it in the kitchen, um, just at this little shitty IKEA desk. And it it ended up kind of being the song that sort of changed their lives in certain ways and changed my life in certain ways. So that I always. I think collaborations like that that happen, you know, it wasn't like we got set up by a label. They mm -hmm. just hit me on Twitter and were like, hey, yes. we like your stuff. And they sent me stuff and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I like this too. Um, 
that's that's definitely a favorite. Um, recently, I did a, a, a full quarantine collaboration with uh, Grandson and Ex Ambassadors for a song called Zen. That um, you know, I've, I've collaborated with both of them before on other songs, and we all kind of actually live within like a mile of each other in LA, and we've like you know put shows together and done all that kind of stuff. But we again. Uh, Stan from X Ambassadors called me and FaceTimed me and was like, hey, I have this idea for a song. I think Jordan is going to do it too. Uh, here's here's where we're at. And I heard it and was like, okay. I wrote something immediately recorded it. Wow. Actually in my friend's kitchen, a different kitchen, in their dining room. Um, Starting to and, notice a theme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I like recording in homes. It makes me feel... You know, some people like recording in, like, big studios. Um, I get really, I feel like, I don't know, I get I get kind of intimidated and I get, it feels very clinical and cold mm-hmm. to me. And I, I like I like recording in places that feel like people live in them. Yeah. So, and I, I think there's a huge thing, too, that when inspiration strikes, you should record your vocal right then. Gotta go for it. You know, there's there's something to be said for like perfecting it and whatever, but there's there's also sort of just the feeling of the moment, which often you know just cannot be replicated. Mm-hmm. So, how do most collaborations start? We haven't really had a chance to talk about this yet, and I've always been curious. Um, given you are someone who does collaborate quite often, I mean, I've listened to the the Lewis the Child all the way down to your remixes for Young the Giant. I mean, how do you start? How, does it typically come from um? Is it typically a text message like that, or is it from the label, or do you reach out to artists? You know, it, it's kind of a mix. I think most collaborations, and this is just as a, a piece of advice, and I need to follow this advice more, too, is like when you like something or you like someone, you like what they do, reach out to them. Like, I think there's this idea that, oh, a million people must be reaching out to this person. I will tell you, most people feel like no one's reaching out to them. You know, even like people who are extremely successful artists, um, you know, I think the power of, of saying, hey, I love what you do and I'd love to do something together is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage anyone, if you, even if you don't want to work with that person, you just want to tell them you like what they do. Um, it really makes a big impact. Um, and it's, it, I think, a much less frequent occurrence than any of us imagined. So a lot of it is just through that, but there have definitely been, you know, kind of every, every iteration of what you said. Sometimes things come, somebody like, you know, sometimes somebody at, at a label has an idea. Sometimes the man, managers have a connection. Um, I think the, most often it's, it's an artist is thinking about working with another artist. Um, and it comes, it's, it's usually more direct and those tend to be the collaborations I think that resonate the most um but it, it can kind of happen any which way and it you know for me it's, it's sort of has but for the most part it's it's been very artist to artist direct and often not pre-planned wow. you know it's usually yeah. like oh shit i had this idea here what do you think it would sound good on that. Um, yeah very cool is there anybody that you're digging right now or that is on your dream list to collaborate with oh no pressure oh you know I get I get asked this question quite a bit, and I never have a great answer because I think a lot of the the musicians that I love maybe are were too 
not to say we're too similar, not that I collaborate with artists that are super different from me, but um, I think sometimes the best collaborations are unexpected for me. Um, but right now, you know, my um, my friend just did a song with the, with an artist called Mall Rat out of Australia, who's, who's awesome. Um, a, a new song that's not out yet that is really, really good. And I heard it, I was like, oh, damn, I want to be on this song. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to do that. <laughs> do you ever have people like <laughs> hit, have me. hit up your, um, like, social DMs? Like, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, do you ever have any, like, fans reach out? And they're like, hey, like, I wrote this song. Do you ever listen to people, to things that people send you? And you're like, wow, actually, maybe I would sound good on that. Or we could do something really cool together. Or is it more... Um, Professional boundary. Yeah. You know, I don't really read Instagram DMs, which is, I think, Smart. how usually that kind of stuff comes through. Um, I just, I don't even really, I hardly read them for, like, my friends. So, I, I'm just like, I can't get too deep into social media, otherwise I will, like, suffer mental health consequences. Um, but I'm, but I'm totally open to that. I think, typically, it's more through, like, quote-unquote, professional channels but you know you're not opposed to it no 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 not at all awesome um i have a really random question honestly that i really would love to know before we kind of run out of time here but how do you take care of yourself when you're on tour um because i i've never been on tour michaela's never been on tour and we again like i said we're big about mental health how do you take care of your mind uh do you meditate do you do yoga do you just hang out with your friends drink a lot of water like what do you do Well, I've I've had varying levels of success of taking care of myself on the road um, and had to, you know, I think learn, I don't want to say learn the hard way, but, you know, um, maybe not take such good care of myself to understand why that's important and what I need to do. I mean, I think first and foremost, it's the people you're around. So I think having, you know, a, a, a touring crew and a group of people that you can have fun with and you can rely on. You know, and I don't mean they need to be like your ride or die best friends. I just mean like having good teamwork. Um, I think is really, really essential to mental health on the road. Is kind of the the crew that you have and the company you keep. And for me, I'm lucky because as the the artist, I get to you know build that crew. Um, so that's a that's a very privileged position. So that's for me. That's that's step one. Step two. Um, is you know i think kind of it's sort of boring but it's the basics it's like getting exercise every day reading consuming things that aren't just you know being on tour um staying connected to your friends and family don't drink too much alcohol um don't smoke too much weed or whatever whatever you like to do don't do it too much um (laughs) you know it's kind of it's it's just kind of boring um in some ways it's, it's I think just about having discipline, you know, balance and discipline. And, you know, I think it's, it's being on tour is one of those things that it feels like summer camp, you know, like when you're, when you're in it, it feels like it's your whole world. Everything is super important. It's all that matters. And then you get off the road and you're like, Oh sh- shit, the world's just been spinning um, with, with no regard to me. And uh, you know, if you get too lost, if you get too lost in the sauce, um, you will, but you will, <laughs> you will not enjoy that. So don't, don't get too lost in it. Well, since we're 
down to our last time, our last <laughs> few mementos. Do you want to do a rapid fire? Or we just like <laughs> we had this random idea to do like a speed round of questions, just like really random. Like, oh. go for it, Mick. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Ten. Oh, what color we'll is your grave? What color is your toothbrush? I have two. Um, one is blue. One is gold. You have two toothbrushes. Blue and one, gold. One for the morning. One for the night. <laughs> I travel to go to two places that I sleep. I have two places I sleep. So I morning, noon, or night. Uh, noon. Noon. Um. Yeah. What is your go-to catchphrase? Guess what? <laughs> Chicken butt. First celebrity crush. See? Oh, my God. And Paul Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest hope for the world. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I think that we figure out how to live on the planet and not burn it up. Mm -hmm. This is a very important question. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. (laughs) Go to coffee order. Uh, Drip coffee with a few ice cubes in it. A few ice cubes. Go to karaoke song. My way, Frank Sinatra. Oh yes, I would love to see that. Something you can't leave your house without. <laughs> Three things you can't leave your house without. My fanny pack. My mask, because yes. wearing a mask means that you respect other human beings. Mm-hmm. And a water bottle. Always gotta hydrate. And last but not least, what is your gold moment? This is like the moment that you were the most proud of, or you were just like so a pinch me moment. Yes. What is that gold moment? Uh, I played the Fox Theater in Oakland last year. I headlined it, which is like one of my favorite venues in the whole world. And my family was there, and my manager's family was there, and I did a good job. You did a good job. <laughs> I did. I played a. I played a good show. What does that mean for you? Oh, it just, it just meant that I was a part of the community. Like, it's a venue that I've gone, I've seen a million shows at. Um, and now I, I got to be the person on the marquee, not in an egotistical way, but just yeah. in a... Oh, celebrate that. Yeah, being, being a part of that, that world. That's fucking awesome. Damn. Well, fuck yeah. We, we did All this. Right. I mean, thank you so freaking much. This has been... I don't know if you know this, but we've had this um, on our bucket list, I guess, for like the last nine months. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to start recording at the beginning of the year. Pandemic happened, and you were actually one of the first artists that we confirmed. And it actually really it was a big it, moment. It made us feel like we could we could do it. So we just want to say this means Aww. a lot to us. And thank you, thank you for your time and for your honesty and for talking about discipline and education and masks because you know what that's fucking important that's very important <laughs> all right <laughs> um well i appreciate it guys keep yeah. doing what you're doing bye kate play thank you later guys bye thank you for listening to the seventh episode of women and music we're so honored and proud to have an artist on the show that we've believed in and listened to for years years literally years Having discipline and creating structure in your life will propel your mindset and champion your future. If you want to see more behind-the-scenes content and exclusive from Kayflay's interview, subscribe to our Patreon page. We put out new episodes every Thursday, 
and next week's guest. Not to give away too much information, but it's a good one. Look out, Linda. Woo. Linda. Yeah. Linda. Linda. Catch you on the flip. Flip, flip. Bye, guys. Bye.